Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember those who've transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must henceforth be forever cast into the abyss of dead names. In this moment of our remembrance, we prove with great grief and wailing the sincerity of our noble tolerance. What we once wrongly allowed in the ignorance of white privilege has become the cleansing rite of virtue signaling we use to prove our purity. Join with me now as we remember those we've lost. First, Mars Incorporated makers of M&Ms for their extremely misguided cancellation of their own wonderful cultural ambassadors, the Spokescandies. You may recall one year ago when Mars announced some changes in the lovable characters, such as desexualizing the brown M&M by substituting sensible pumps for her objectifying stilettos, turning green M&M into a feminist leader by replacing her white go-go boots and alluring poses with sneakers and confident singleness, Red Eminem would stop being a bully, and Orange Eminem would represent Gen Z by honestly showing his vulnerable feelings and persistent social anxiety. Wonderful changes all. But just when Mars was finally making real progress toward a more inclusive world of candy characters, they have now said they are abandoning their spokes candies entirely and replacing them with just Maya Rudolph. We had almost arrived. We were on the verge of having plain Eminems who identified as having peanuts and M&M's born with peanuts, having them removed through modern candy-affirming surgery. Red was going to compete in women's lacrosse. Green was going on a date with brown and maybe also blue. It was all coming together. But now in one fell swoop, Mars has thrown all that progress and potential aside. And do you not realize how powerful and painful this blanket cancellation is? Mars has literally wiped out the rainbow. We've spent decades appropriating the rainbow from the Christians and turning it into the great and cherished symbol of alternativity and inclusion has become today, and in one violent marketing spasm, Mars metaphorically eradicates it all? No. The outrageous anti-rainbow symbolism of this act cannot be allowed to stand. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend! Second, the marketing team at A&W Root Beer. Following the rainbow-phobic disaster of the Mars Company's actions, the leaders at A&W decided to mock our religion by issuing what turned out to be a callously cruel, satirical announcement that they would be putting pants on their mascot, Rudy the Root Bear. As they asked on Twitter the next day, Is now a good time to mention that this is a joke? Look, dear brethren, sister, and another, and even though we know Mars was wrong for what they did, we do recognize at least they were trying to be inclusive, A&W, on the other hand, is engaged in a wanton rejection of everything we stand for. Does A&W really not feel the seriousness of allowing fictional cartoon animals to wander around in public without pants? Surely, in order to create their so-called satire, they had to grasp the powerful triggering effect a pantsless orange bear can have on hashtag MeTooVictims, not to mention those who have been visually molested by real-life naked bears. So A&W understood the danger, but instead of standing with victims of cartoon bear indecency, they chose to mock the wounded. For shame, Team Rudy, for shame. However, we do want to say they have inadvertently done us a service, for they have now inspired us to reassess the entire scope of fictional bears and to bring much-needed reform to the ursine attire space. Now, as it turns out, most cartoon bears are highly problematic. Winnie the Pooh. For all his zen-like calmness is casually menacing all the other residents of Hundred Acre Wood with his exposed tummy and poo sticks. Is this really acceptable behavior in front of a lady like Kanga or minors like Christopher Robin and Rue? I think not. Certainly we should stop promoting both the full nakedness of the Cottonelle Bears and also their uncivilized hoarding of toilet paper during the pandemic. It should go without saying that Paddington is extremely unacceptable. 
a bear who only wears a red hat, yellow galoshes, and a long blue coat over what we can only assume is a fully naked torso. Now, I know some people might say it's just a pea coat, but an honest observer realizes it's a trench coat. And I think we all know why fictional cartoon bears wear trench coats, don't we? Then we have Smokey the Bear, who, yes, is wearing pants and a ranger hat, to be sure, but shirtless? Shirtless? What an arrogant display of cisgenderism and male nipple privilege. Obviously, no fictional forest ranger she-bear would be allowed to appear this way. And if Rudy and Winnie and Paddington must wear pants, and they must, Smokey must immediately put on a shirt, because only you can prevent the forest fire of sexism. Fozzie the bear with only a polka dot kerchief, the sugar crisp bear with merely a ribbed blue turtleneck, and what about Yogi? In what universe is it okay to welcome people to Jellystone wearing only a necktie and a hat? And of course, Boo Boo only wears a bow tie. What are they, some Chippendale strip bear duo working the pole for picnic baskets? And speaking of Chippendale, they go totally naked most of the time too. Sometimes just a Hawaiian shirt, which is both indecent and second-degree Polynesian appropriation. Speaking of chipmunks, are we really supposed to ignore the partial frontal nudity thrust at us every time Alvin shows up wearing only his A-emblazoned sweater? And if we're going to look outside the realm of bears and rodents, what about Porky Pig? What about Donald Duck? And perhaps if Pepe Le Pew could have just put on some clothes, Penelope Pussycat could have been spared from all of his unwanted advances. You start looking around, and I dare say that apart from Mickey and Minnie Mouse, you will scarcely find a fully clad fictional cartoon animal in this cultural wasteland of ours. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend! And finally, we want to applaud Walt Disney World for finally bringing an end to Splash Mountain, the water ride which was saturated with characters and images from the horribly racist movie Celebrating Plantation Life, Song of the South. Now, normally you might think that the mere fact of a ride being so wildly popular as this one was would be enough to protect it under the guise of capitalism and catering to consumer demand. After all, more than 90,000 Disney loyalists signed a petition to keep it. But since the fine thought shapers at Disney are already rolling in Scrooge McDuck-level profits, they could afford to do the right but unpopular thing. And as we know, bending over backwards to accommodate the hurt feelings of the minority in a way that loses money is kind of the definition of virtue. Besides, Disney isn't eliminating the log plume ride entirely, they're simply reconstructing it as Tiana's, Tiana's Bayou Adventure, not built around the theme of the Princess and the Frog featuring a black heroine. However, a noted cultural anthropologist Wanda Sykes has raised a reasonable concern. I mean, I appreciate the effort from Disney, but you're going to make the black ride the one where we get our hair wet? That's just more racist than before. But perhaps we can revisit this objection another time. Questions about the perfection of Tiana's Bayou Adventure and its threat to African-American hair should not distract us from celebrating the end of Splash Mountain and the interracial enlightenment this change brings one giant zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day closer. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. And now with these cleansing rites performed, may we all go forth in loving tolerance and microaggress no more. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. 625 here on News Radio 